Hi, kids. Uh, it's Andy, and I am not your usual babysitter. Yeah, it's just me this week. And no, I'm not going to make you a mashed potato man with pischetti hair. Deal. As you may know, uh, we usually record the podcast on Sundays, but this week we realized, kind of last minute, that RC would be out of town doing RC-related things. And we did a whole bunch of great interviews at the Nightmares Film Festival a few weeks back, which I've been totally slacking on. So this seemed like a good occasion for me to railroad myself into doing the thing that I've been really wanting to do for like the last month or so, but haven't. Deadlines. Woo! So, uh, let's get this going. Theme music in three, two, one. Fuck, wait, wait. up on friday night bob and i got to sit down with tony wash and ben lewandowski uh the directors of skeletons in the closet a retro anthology starring the fabulous ellie church and her equally fabulous hair as a late night horror host who binges movies along with the wisecracking corpse of her murdered husband uh, it's currently streaming ad-supported on popcornflix.com and also available for rental or purchase through Amazon and the usual places. Uh, here it is. Hope you enjoy. So, guys, we are with Tony and Ben, the directors of Skeleton in the Closet. Skeleton. Plural. 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 multiple. Skeletons. I can't read my writing. It's in red, and I'm high on an energy drink right now. Skeletons in the Closet, which we watched last night, and we talked a little bit about this morning. Guys, tell us how you started on that thing. Oh, boy. So, summarizing? You want me to, you want me to start it? So, uh, <laughs> in very early 2012, wow. I wanted to put together an anthology film because I knew that VHS was coming out. Cool. So I'm like, I think this is going to become popular again. Yeah. Tony and I had a conversation. We started to break down the initial phase of this movie, which was called Chop Shop. Cool. Fast forward to... Uh, Memorial Day weekend of 2012, Tony had started shooting Grandma O'Malley's Pantry. Mm-hmm. The next month, I started shooting Dismantler. We shot... Which is the guys in the junkyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. shot with two other filmmakers. They made their two movies. We were, we were basically ready to go. We had a, almost a finished film about less than a year after that. But oh we lost two of these filmmakers. Oh. And then... That's when Tony and I decided, well, we, we started to get into other projects. That's when Hog started, and then, of course, we worked on other movies. So Chop Shop has kind of been our background project for the last six years. Uh, right. And we've had these two shorts that were each 20, 25 minutes long. We had the wraparound content of the first-person POV of the guy going through purgatory oh, yeah. Yeah. in the junkyard. And we were like, what are we going to do with this? Are we just going to release them on our own as like a $10 DVD with 50 minutes of content on it? Or are we going to do something more? Right. We had a couple different ideas for feature-length wraparound content to turn it into a feature-length. Um, mm-hmm. And ultimately, Skeletons in the Closet was an idea that I'd had from college where I wanted <laughs> to just combine the Crypt Keeper and Elvira, so to speak. Right. Yeah. And with the did. dynamic of Married with Children. You know? Yeah. And that was <laughs> super that was, awesome. That was a really inspired like choice. That. Thank you. And um, Ellie... 
Damn it. Ellie Church. Ellie thank Church, you. thank you. Yeah. So many names. Ellie Church, I love her. She's Mostly great. I love her hair. Yeah. Wait, do you see High in the Hog? If you loved her in Skeletons. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're going to oh. fall in love with her in High in the Hog. She plays the DJ Mary Jane that kind of is like the Warriors DJ, only you actually get more of her than just her mouth and her hands. Nice. Oh, you shit. You know, she's like a personality that kind of helps carry us throughout the movie. And uh, so she does a, a, a really good job in that. And after cool. we worked on that with her, it was just like, all right, look, let's let's do this skeletons concept. I sold Ben on it. We're going to co-direct this thing, the wraparound content with her and her dead husband, Charlie, mm-hmm. as well as the little girl and the babysitter. Yeah. And uh, we'll co-direct it together. My friend Johnny wrote it with us. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I started talking to Ellie about it because I was like, she'd be perfect. And initially she didn't want to do it. She thought... She didn't think she could identify with the character. There wasn't enough action. You know, really? it was just sitting on a couch. And she's like, wow. I just don't really know if, if I'm relating to it well enough. And I talked to her a little bit about it. And yeah. we had a couple of Skype rehearsal sessions. And um, I'll tell you, she she ended up killing it and had a blast doing it. And I think I remember telling Tony, or maybe Tony told me that... Uh we were going to quit if she didn't sign on. Tony <laughs> he was, he, ben, ben said he was going to quit if she didn't sign on. It always comes together to a, to a decent degree differently than you picture it in your mind. Yeah. And so I think that that's what happened with Ellie. Is she, got, she got into the wardrobe and the hair and makeup. Then she walked down into the basement and saw the, the couch and the lamps and the, and the candles. And then she saw her husband, Charlie, yeah. our friend Adam, who oh, played yeah. Charlie, in the mask with the makeup on. He was a riot. Oh, he's he was great. An absolute who, incidentally, had no acting experience up to that point. Really? He, he'd been in one or two short films that I think he also produced and directed. Oh, he, he did? Yes, he had oh, a couple okay. other okay. things. Kick ass. Um, and then it's like he got on set, put the mask on, and the tone of his voice changed. The, the delivery changed. Mm-hmm. Everything changed. Yeah. He became Charlie. He's fucking cool. Yeah. He had this a really amazing deadpan. That's not funny. Uh, Pun intended, right? right? Pun intended. No, not really. Right. Um, Which is a rarity for me is I'm yeah. like a font of dad jokes. But like, um, <laughs> he, is, he, has, he has this very good uh, deadpan kind of resigned delivery that makes a lot of that, makes like the jokes really come to life. It's almost another bad non-punch. It, it is kind of you know you mentioned married with children. It is kind of Al Bundy only without a lot of the sass. It's Very dead just Al. dry. Yeah. Zombie Al, yeah. yeah. And, and ultimately, it's because he knows that if he gives her too much of a pain, she's going to throw him in the closet, literally, and he's going to spend forty <laughs> years sitting in the dark by himself. Or at least now right. he gets to watch a movie, whether it's good or bad. Because <laughs> yeah. the thing to me is like I don't even think Charlie is a horror fan. I think she's subjecting him to her favorite oh, genre. Totally. Oh. God. You know, it's like when our significant others make us watch romantic comedies or whatever. It's like when my ex dragged me to Underworld. Uh, and the Underworld. second one. Underworld. Yeah. But it's Third. Kate Beckinsale and like skin tight leather. Yeah, but what good does that do me? Doesn't do us She's any like good. my free pass. Like my girlfriend's no, like, I, who's your free pass? I'm like, well, it's got to be Kate Beckinsale. Or <laughs> no, I understand. I've, I've got several, but they don't look like Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> open <laughs> marriage, man. It doesn't matter. But yeah. It's, it's weird on our side of the street, let me it tell is. you. It's <laughs> super weird. Uh, one thing that I thought was, was super neat, and we discussed it a little bit this morning, uh, was the fact that you had... <laughs> The framing device, then the television show, and then the movie on top of that. It's an anthology and an anthology. Right. It was... That just warmed my heart because really, uh, I love anthologies I'm like oh my god it's like they took Elvira but it's not told like every traditional no, it's, anthology no it's not which it is was, fun and because yeah. it's like they're all 
all, they're all playing literally on top of each other and kind of interacting with each other in these really interesting ways. Yeah, uh, they're all going simultaneously for the most part. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, like, I mean, did you guys like come up watching like a lot of like late night horror movie shows, um, or I mean, what's what's the what do you think is the genesis of that? I was introduced by horror, uh, introduced to horror by my grandmother. And uh, who I used to, when she would babysit me, I'd Best sit. grandma ever. Oh, oh my, shit. my grandma. And I don't think she realized how influential she was to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, when I when she used to babysit me, uh, we would watch Tales from the Dark Side, the TV show. Oh, nice. shit. And I would sit on the floor in front of the television, which was the big old wooden TV. So Jamie, in an essence, is a, a recreation of me. Hell, yeah. As a child and so many of us, you know. Um yeah. And so, you know, my grandma was always a horror fan, and then she in turn turned my father into one because my grandpa was the World War II vet, you know, if right. it ain't real, I don't give a shit. Oh, so my man. grandma wanted to go see the monster movies. Right. My grandpa wouldn't go, so she'd take my dad. And so then he kind of translated that to me. And so growing up, we would watch USA Up all night with Gilbert oh, Godfrey. Oh, my God. And, you know, yes, and, and, that show. Yeah, and, and, and we were watching movies like Chud. And, and when we would go to the video store, we couldn't rent the Return of Living Dead and stuff that I wanted to rent because I love the covers or right. the posters or right. Deep Star Six where we were just talking about that last night. Oh my where God. Where I'm like, God, that cover's cool. But my Not dad's like, movie. this is too adult for you. Yeah. So yeah. then it would translate to let's rent this Elvira movie where it's yeah. a PG horror thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I always liked that and I don't recall an example of dual dynamic horror host situation. Yeah. So at some point in college or shortly thereafter... I just came up with this concept of a show called Skeletons in the Closet. And I like the title, Skeletons in the Closet. Had thrown it on a couple of different projects. And I was like, I need to yeah. use it at some point regardless. Yeah. But it fits best for this concept. It really does. And, it and then, it you know, really here did. it is, what, 15 years later. Yeah. And we were sitting there and it's like our, our cinematographer and co-producer, Robert Patrick Stern, had an idea for a show. I was actually living with Rob at the time and our other roommate, Jim, whose house we shot a good chunk of the movie in. That's the family room. It's Jim's house. Oh, okay. and it's very 80s still, the kitchen. Seriously. Wow. It's it's like oh my God. your child. Fucking like, gorgeous as hell, though. Right? Yeah. It, right. Um, it, it's the good 80s. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wood paneling <laughs> yeah. and Berber carpet. Right. You know, Fish on the walls. The I kind did, of carpet that will scuff up your elbows and knees. Right? I don't oh. think I actually <laughs> saw one of those, like, star clocks on the wall. Like, like the, those, the those were more late yeah. 80s. Yeah. The, Oh, those have been around They're since like the 60s. 60s. Uh, well, those have yeah. been around for a long but yes, time, but I, I know one, they've kind had of had one in left. the basement growing up, so I was yeah. looking for one, didn't see it. Well, it was in it's in Ellie's basement. It's in the widow's basement. Oh, on the yeah, right, it's down on there. The right wall. <laughs> it's down there. Well, Blin, we were thinking of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have already yeah. said publicly that I need to see this again. Now I definitely have to see well, this again. Well, it's, it's currently available today. It went live on Popcorn Flicks for free. That's oh, ad VOD, so you can watch it for free as long as you're willing to deal with commercials. If you don't want to deal with commercials, you can rent or buy it on Amazon or iTunes, or you can pre order the blu-ray from our website scotchworthy.com sweet um, gonna be sweet as hell but yeah so it's it's just it's awesome because we appreciate that people see in it what we saw in it when we were making it it's just like i said last night it's a love letter for fans of horror films you know of the 80s and, and, right. and the late 70s you know it's it's not meant to be taken totally seriously but it's got the special effects in it it's got the, mm -hmm. the cool lighting and the fun characters and you know, it's not totally scary, but it's also not totally silly and stupid. Right, you know? right, right. So it's a and nice I, mix. We appreciated that. <laughs> so, um, I don't have any other questions. I just wanted to tell you that your shit's awesome, man. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you. That's, that's our, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, I, oh, God, I, 
We're awful interviewers. We really are. Uh, okay. This is We're actually my first this. interview ever. So, like, <laughs> what else have you guys done? What else are you guys well, Harry, doing? By all means, let let us yeah. now and yes. now let us plug. let us now ask. What, what else? else are you working on? There you go, Bob. Hold on. So we've got a uh, a grindhouse feature called Ooh. High on the Hog, starring Sid Haig and Joe Estevez and the late Robert Zadar. Cool. Um, and Ellie Church. And Ellie Church is in it as well. Nice. Uh, as well as a slew of other awesome talents. Um, Jesse Boyd that, from Mindhunters in it. Yeah, and, and, and he's in Narcos Ooh. and a handful of other things. Um, so uh, that should be coming out at some point in the next few months. We keep hearing positive things about the, uh, the release of that coming up soon. Um, so we think that's going to be a convention favorite. We're, we're really Sweet. hoping that, that fans of all these other you know, independent features are, are really going to dig that. If you like skeletons, you'll love Hog. Nice. Hog is batshit. Oh, yeah, see, I'm good with batshit. Batshit is is, is one of my favorite He's especially good with batshit. Yes, no, I I have a much... I'm not going to say it. You thought it, though. I did think it. You thought it. I thought it. Damn it. Well, Ben Ben's high on Red Bulls, cigarettes, and coffee all day, so when he edits... It's literally like watching uh, a seizures, you know, like somebody's having a seizure <laughs> through their eyes or something. I don't know. It's just, it's very crazy. It's bad enough having the seizure through your brain. I mean, but at least you have a channel for it. At least there's a channel. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Imagine if there wasn't. Jeez. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so that should be coming out here in the next few months. We're developing Skeletons into a television series that will hopefully get taken off the ground oh, here wait. soon as well. well. I, that's the first um, I'd heard of that. That is, that is going amazing. to be great. Well, just keep it. your fingers crossed. I need it in my life. Yes. These are like we need to send this podcast to our you know, to our distributors so they can be like, oh yeah, see more people want to know that this we'll is see you. cool. Yeah, so yeah. Now, it, okay, now I'm going to be like having Red Bull and cigarettes and editing like a maniac. Yeah, like I'm going to edit this like 15 times. I'll be like naked in the corner sobbing. Maybe we have different workflows. I don't Possibly. know. Possibly. Just put on a bathrobe. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's all the same yeah, workflow. Just like yeah. Or just way, a just... towel. It'll be okay. Just so long as you're not like sitting on furniture. It's okay. <laughs> oh, was he the uh, was he the Channel Thirteen fan? Yeah, you guys were. Yeah. Yes, okay. He was. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That was the, that was the question. Yeah. Was, yes. Oh, uh, what? How? That did get said a few times. So Channel well Channel Thirteen was something that I had written into the script. Thirteen is just my lucky number. It's always something I've associated with horror, obviously. Yeah. Um, and and SPI is Scotchworthy Productions Inc. So that's the initials to the company, and so that's what cool. that's what SPI became. Channel Thirteen. And then when Ben was building the edit, um, he gave a draft of it basically to me and was like, check this out. And he's like, but don't worry, we'll change all the voiceover narration and all that stuff. <laughs> that was yeah. tap. We were going to yeah. shift that off to our composer. <laughs> yeah, Because our composer, DC McAuliffe, is um, very outlandish. He's very enthusiastic. And he loves being wacky. And so the thought was, wacky. like, he does some of the commercials in the movie. Okay. He's, like, doing a car dealership and uh, a soda commercial. And so you barely hear him in the background. Ben's like, let's have him do the, the narration for the channel. Cool. And I watched the draft, and I was like, dude, this is, like, you're so funny. Your delivery is so great. We need to just roll with it. You know, you don't think you're good, but you're great. It actually was really that great, because that, I think that really put everybody right in his zone for the laughs that kind of come early. Oh, yeah. It was that kind of disarming Yeah, once you hear Channel 13, you know we're not taking any of this particularly seriously. I now know what kind of movie I'm watching, and and I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. And, and it's funny because it's like when we were watching the movie last night, like Ben actually left. I, I think he's like Johnny Depp where he doesn't really like watching this stuff. And so I was kind of in the hallway by the stairs until the grandma movie started. Because um, I really love the wraparound content. It's some of my favorite stuff we've shot, and it's, I think, some of the best stuff that we've made 
uh, visually as well as the dialogue and everything. So that being said, um, you know, you listen to the audience and the great reaction initially when Ben says something like, we've got some some something something shit and everybody kind of giggled a little bit. Everybody giggled a little bit in the audience. So I was like, good, we got a good reaction there. And then it's like talking, talking, talking. And it's like, channel 13, fuck yeah. And the whole crowd <laughs> just cracked up. You know? yeah. It's like, this is the right audience yeah. for this film. Completely, and, you know. Completely. And that wasn't in the script. I mean, Channel 13 was, but none of that was. It was just supposed to be, that was the channel, and that was it. That is when good things happen, is when you're not planning on keeping it, and yeah. Oh, yeah. It's right there. It's so awesome. And that, <laughs> and that character comes through like it's in the trailer. Uh, we just did a little spot for Popcorn Flicks and yeah. Fright Picks because it's playing starting today on their sites. That's right. Cool. And so he did a little narration for that as well. Nice. You know, he's like, this is the perfect horror movie for Halloween. I should know. I'm stuck in a TV. You know, <laughs> and he just totally plays so off dumb. of that character. Awesome. So the hope will be if we can translate this into a television series, at least for a season or two, oh my God. that we can bring the Channel 13 voice in as well. Yeah. I would, uh, I would absolutely love to see that. I hope that, I hope that comes to uh, words. Fail me. Fruition. I've been here way too long. Fruition. Yeah. Pass into existence. <laughs> well, and and honestly, it's it, it all boils down to people such as you guys who are supporting it. You know, if we don't have people telling other people about it. If we don't have people watching it, giving it a good rating on IMDb for the two seconds it takes you to go on IMDb and hitting ten or nine, yeah, yeah. you can give us a seven or an eight. Just give it a good rating. You know, yeah. go to Amazon, do the same thing, and it's like every little bit helps because when you're independent, that's all you have is word of mouth. Yeah. That's right. You know. Yeah. And um, just compliments, like you saying, this is the humor in this movie is unlike anything else you've seen this weekend. That means a lot to us, you know, yeah. because we we're, we're just trying to make stuff that fans like because we're fans. Yeah. So. Uh, we are cool. also fans of, uh, uh, yeah, damn, just damn. Yeah, I, know, I think we've reached wordless. Andy's yeah, too. I, had, I was gonna get another. I was gonna get another drink before the, before we sat down, and I saw you heading this way, and I was like, nope, never mind. Nope, just water so, for Andy. I, he I run, I'm running he can't on alcohol. Gin and this tonic his way through. I think the everyone is. I think yeah. you're, you're in good company. Yeah. Please. So I'm actually running low, so I may have to like. But anyway, no, you guys go eat. It was fantastic talking thank with you. you. Thank you. Congratulations thank you. on Skeletons in the Closet. It thank is you very much. a party of a film. It's super fun, uh, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Tony Walsh and Ben Lewandowski, directors of Skeletons in the Closet. Again, available for rent and purchase on Amazon, or you can watch for free with ads on popcornflix.com. So, on Saturday, while I was having a bit of a lie down, and by lie down, I mean complete gin soaked emotional breakdown, Bob and RC caught up with Michelle Iantuono, uh, writer and director of Livescream. Uh, an upcoming found footage movie about a video game streamer who gets himself and his viewers caught up in a deadly game with real-life consequences, which I didn't get to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we are here with Michelle Iantuano. Mm -hmm. I pronounced it right? Yes! Yay! <laughs> I did something awesome! Um, uh, she is the director of Livescream. I'm so happy to have a female director. You have awesome. no idea. <laughs> Real quick, fun note, way more than just the director. This movie, as we uh, already know from the brief synopsis, is that it's about a live stream. She also did all the video game work and the writing. And you are my new favorite person, lady. Things. 
So um, tell us about the project. Tell us what it's about. Um, yeah, so it's like found footage of a gaming live stream, like a Twitch stream, and pretty much it's a guy who's just starting an ordinary game, and it turns out to start killing the followers in his chat room every time he loses a life. So it's got the real world stakes of you know if you if you don't play, you die. If you die in the game, you die. Wow, that's super cool. <laughs> what did you think about it, Darcy? I thought it was really well executed. I was a little thrown off by the short at the beginning, which I am 100% aware is not under your control in any way. Um, it, was just, it was a really big tonal shift that I wasn't prepared for. But once I got into it, I am one of those nerds who watches streams all the time. So I was like, oh, that's a Time War reference. Oh my god, yes. I recognize Time War reference. Yes. Oh no. Uh, like, as soon as the door creaked, I was like, god damn it, Time War. <laughs> So, so w what was behind this movie? What, what made you think of how it, having to do this whole kind of haunted game thing? Well, well, pretty much that, watching four years of people playing games like Time War. There you <laughs> go. Okay. Yeah, um, the indie horror community is really strong in the gaming community and, and on YouTube and Twitch and stuff. It's A lot of these guys play these games, I think, because they're cheap or free and they can get them on a Game Jam site and they just find them from these weird corners of the web and try them out. And right. it's also how a lot of game developers kind of start. Like they they start off with like a horror game, like a like that game at the beginning of the movie, which right. was like a maze with a monster in it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's that's really familiar territory just from having absorbed this media for like four years. Yeah. And so every reference in the film, of which there's just everything is a reference or homage to something, mm -hmm. um, it, it really came out organically from like, okay, what have I watched? Like, <laughs> over time, what has been big? Five Nights at Freddy's was a thing. Right. Outlast yeah. was a thing. Amnesia yep. was a thing. Yeah. So I pretty much just threw everything at the wall that I've absorbed and, you know... Hope it's stuck, right? Hope it's stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and from what you say, it sounds like it's stuck. Just, just to give a bit of context as to how deep the references go, the Time War reference that I was giggling about is literally the sound that a door makes when it's open. That is the entire <laughs> reference. <laughs> Um, and that, then that's, that's not entirely true. There is a thank you at the very end of the credits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did credit Time War, yeah. Yes. Good. But, uh, like, I was, I was reading the list, and I was like, I got every one of these references. I... <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I'm a web dev. I have, like, YouTube up on a monitor all day, and it just program on the other So ones, did you learn so. something about yourself today, I guess? <laughs> I don't know what it was, but yes. Um, I... This, this movie hit me in a really weird way. It's very, very good. Um, I don't cry during movies. It does not happen. But the scene when they when he goes up and sees Jeremy, I like started tearing up and I was like, who am I? Like, this is so different for me. Why am I so emotionally invested? This is why we have women directors, kids. This is why. It was fantastic. Like there was there was a lot of things that I didn't expect. Um, like for for one big thing um, that I was going to ask during Q and A, and then I realized it was kind of a dumb question. Um, like seeing how the movie played out um, was were the games like actually played, or was that? recorded separately from when he wasn't playing them it was okay. he was responding to something that was pre-recorded by okay. me um but i built everything in unreal and then i screen captured my playthrough sure. of the game and then put it in a premiere timeline rendered that all out and then showed it to him 
So he had no actual physical interaction with anything. He was just reacting. He played with it very well because it was it was really seamless. Like there was a couple of spots where I was like, maybe it's recorded. And then other ones I was like, there's no way that this was pre-recorded. Like, <laughs> I couldn't risk him playing it though. For sure. Because like we we only had two days to shoot, and I had to make sure that I was giving him everything possible to get to nail the take. Right. Um, and because there was just long, you know, 15, 30 minute takes, I didn't have time to spare on like, oh, he didn't jump over that thing properly. Right. He got yeah. stuck or the game bugged or, you right. know, just whatever. Um, so it, it just had to, I, I did consider it at one point because I thought it, I, I kind of wondered if I could find an actor who could act at that seamlessly against a recording. Um, yeah. But he just did it so effortlessly that yeah. I didn't even have to worry about it. Yeah. Cool. So, I saw you in the panel on um, social awareness mm -hmm. today, which was amazing, and thank you for that. Um, one thing I've been asking people as they come by, uh, one of my things is uh, I like to dig into tropes. Okay. And I understand that you know we have those tropes that are problematic, like uh, the black guy dies first, or kill your gaze, or things like that. What do you think filmmakers can do nowadays to kind of combat those tropes and fight against them? Oh gosh, I gotta summarize that whole panel. In a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, what I like to do is I'm really into the idea of like a sensitivity readers. Uh -huh. Like people who are from a certain marginalization that I might not personally represent, if I'm gonna write outside my lane, making sure that it's like, hey, you know, going to, you know, three gay writer friends I know and be like, is this gay character okay? okay? Or if I have a person of color, same thing. And, you know, sometimes that feedback is it, it's not something you would expect because I have blind spots just like everybody else. Sure, sure, sure. And it's not malicious. It's just like there's things we don't even think about. And I think that a lot of those, like, stereotypes and mi microaggressions and stuff, you don't notice them if you're not in that lane. Right. Um, so you're just going to educate yourself, I think. I mean, and I know that that takes work, but, like, I mean, I think we have a responsibility to to do that and for live awesome. scream in particular um live scream's an odd film for me because it doesn't pass the Bechtel test there's only yeah. like one on-screen speaking role so it, it even if my lead was female it probably still right. wouldn't right. um so it, it's it's odd for me because like I don't consider it like a feminist film because like there's no women in it but at the same time I wonder if a man had written it if some of the language would have been more misogynistic yeah or if there would have been gay slurs or something like that in the chat you know like if yeah. if somebody who maybe wasn't as socially conscious as I was wrote this film mm -hmm. if there would be some kind of cringy things in it so yeah. even though I don't consider it a socially progressive movie I think I still put in the effort to make sure that I wasn't writing anything that was going to marginalize anybody like I, awesome. I put a lot of effort into that so especially in a gaming movie yeah <laughs> I don't really because it everyone is a troll yeah, there is a troll. <laughs> he's a, he's no, a major he... feature of the movie. Oh, wow. And it was not, like, it, the, the troll was an asshole character, but it wasn't, like, the bad kind of, like, cringy yeah. that, well, okay. that you might anticipate. The 13-year-old with the foul language and the hey right. fag, yeah, that stuff. I hate using that word, oh my god, but it's there, and we have to acknowledge it. Ew. Ew. Sorry. This is our very first time doing anything like this, so... <laughs> I, thank you for being very patient with me. Um, so, what are you looking for? What have you seen in the in the fest so far? And what have you looking for? What are you looking forward to? 
Uh, I really enjoyed Book of Monsters. <gasps> Yay! I love that movie. <laughs> it had so much heart, and it was just like so well made. Um, I liked Kill Bin Light. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, I, I like a good thriller comedy. Yeah. Um, and Alive was a really unsettling. We, we um, spoke to them this morning. That was their part of our morning update oh, today. Oh, cool! We yeah. love that one. That movie. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, can't, I almost can't say anything positive about it without spoiling it. Right. So I'll just. Yeah. Cause I haven't gotten to see it. Yeah, I will not. I absolutely will not. It, I will just say though that like, it's very well written. Yeah. It's definitely worth checking out, and mm-hmm. I was very unsettled through the whole thing, even though yeah. they were very non-gratuitous mm-hmm. about anything that happened. Like it yeah. wasn't exceptionally gory. There was no like, sexual discomfort sort of stuff. Right. But you still just feel grimy and uncomfortable. I mean, and there was a little sexual discomfort. A little but bit. But it, su- it wasn't super gratuitous, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, could, it could have been so easy in a movie like that to just go really over the top. And they, yeah. they had so much restraint. And they really focused more on the psychological and on the writing. And yeah. on the, the main character, the Angus McFadden, oh, who was God. the captor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellently written, excellently performed, and just like... And also super cute. <laughs> he kind of was. He's very much our type. He, is, he was yeah. kind of like a Brian Cox, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, um, what are you looking forward to? Um, gosh, what day is it? Um. it is, I know, right? <laughs> I might. You asking that just threw me off. I, I, this is our <laughs> first time here, and we're like, now <laughs> I know why they call us the sleepless. Here, um, I know I'm looking forward to Mama's Boy, which is Sam's yeah. short. Looks uh-huh. fantastic. It's an amazing trailer. Yeah. Um, I think I, I'm mostly going to do shorts today, I think. Um, cool. I might see The Night Sitter, uh-huh. um, but I think I have a shorts block that I'm... Uh, that's during... Uh, that's the same as Mama's... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This, this, this dual programming really throws me off. Yeah. Um, I want to see Camp Death two, 3 in 2D tomorrow totally. morning. That looks like a lot of fun. And then there's some Ohio shorts. Um, I've been hanging out with the crew from Bong and Living Dead, and they got some Ohio shorts that I yeah. want to check out. So. Sweet. So... Um, I will let you get back to your day. Thank you for stopping with us. Thank you. This was super fun. Yay. <laughs> it was nice to meet you. You too. Have a great and, day. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for coming to see it. <laughs> Bob and RC there with Michelle Iantuono, writer and director of Live Screen, starring Gunnar Willis, which won Best Horror Feature and Best Director of a Feature at Nightmares this year. Kick-ass. It's still on the festival circuit, so there's not any place to stream it yet, but... I'm kind of vibrating already. Like, I really want to see this. Next up, uh, Saturday evening, Bob, RC, and I sat down with Stacy Palmer, a producer of Haven's End, which had its world premiere at Nightmares. And she is legit one of the coolest people that I've ever met. Uh, we had a great time talking with her. Um, side note, the sound quality may not be the greatest here, It was a pretty noisy environment, and I kind of screwed up at the board as completely as it's possible to do without actually causing anything to burst into flames. Uh, So my apologies for that. It should be listenable, uh, and it's a great interview, so I'll catch you on the other side. Okay, I started. Now you can start. (laughs) You're evil and wrong. Hi, kids. We're back. Uh, We are talking with Stacey Palmer from Lobster Girl Productions. Uh, She is behind Haven's End, which, unfortunately, I did not get to see. I I did help plug it a little bit when I heard it was going to be here, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. I did get to see it. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, world. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, well, first off, thank you for... um, 
Thank you for coming and seeing our film, and then thank you for allowing me to be a part of your podcast history. Oh, so, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> well, the power of the internet, right? we shall live on forever through this interview. Absolutely. So, absolutely. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Immortality, it's a nice yeah. perk. Like, oh, Andy lost something. What's going no, on? No, I'm just like checking. I'm looking. It's like it's really, really hot. So I'm just going to do a little bit of fixing and then we'll carry on. Oh, okay. okay. It's okay. <laughs> Nothing. So yeah, for those of us who Nothing didn't get to see the movie for one reason or another, can you yes. give us a super high level synopsis? Oh, sure. Um, am, I, am I good? My levels? Yeah, you, yeah you're good. Okay. Just... Okay. Um, so basically it's an end of the world... Um, uh, survival apocalyptic film um, with uh, a bunch of friends who, as the world is just getting destroyed, escape into the woods to the land of one of the families and um, stuff starts happening and um, supernatural stuff and then it starts to take on a paranoid kind of the thing twist and not you know, trying to figure out who's good, who's bad, and you know, who's human. Cool. Maybe. I mean, the who's human angle is always fun. Yeah. It's, it's never a bad idea. It's always a lot of fun. <laughs> so, um, I saw you in the, the social awareness panel yes. today, and you spoke really well. Oh, I mean, well, you, you. your answers were super succinct, which I love. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, I know you're the answer to this, okay. but um, uh, maybe explain to the audience why social awareness is important to you in your filmmaking. Sure. So, since we are on the radio, um, I am a transgender woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I came out about two years ago, but I, I had been hiding for so long um, because I grew up in the 80s, uh-huh. and um, there wasn't a lot of trans media mm-hmm. and it's getting better um, but it's not 100% there yet right um, so even before I came out um, I ran a secret and I'm doing air quotes here people That's, we tell people <laughs> that all the time right. yeah. Under, I ran a secret underground um, uh, network for trans people in film um, people who couldn't come out people who were out mm-hmm. um, and basically trying to gather everybody um, just so we can stay connected. And that way we can be like, oh, you know, this company's friendly to work with. Stay away from that company, you know, um, cool. that sort of thing. That's awesome. Um, thank you. Um, and so after I came out, I felt that I needed to do more and I needed to be visible for the people that were still hiding and sure. still afraid to come out and let them know that um, we're here when they're ready and cool. you know there are more of us than people are aware of um, and now I, I turned it into like a zombie invasion alien <laughs> oh, no I mean that's but, totally fine but, but, but that's yeah what, so yeah. I, I was here um, I, I do a lot of panels and a lot of uh, public speaking on um, trans representation in media mm-hmm. and sort of the history of it. And then I also do writing authentic trans characters. Cool. So, um, but yeah, and then I'll do panels like you all saw today where it's 
me with a um, group of diverse people, which is fun too. Awesome. So, so I, and I've been asking this question of everyone that I've gotten from the panel. How do you, as a producer, you know, maybe guide people toward dealing with the problematic tropes like the kill your gaze or the black character right. dies first? How do you deal with that? Um, you just try and create the new tropes okay. and then allow that trend to follow you um, because it's hard for people to break out of their thought process when all their information is coming from the television and from entertainment right. yeah you know and I speak from experience and it's not a, a knock on people in general you know and I don't ever think of people as ignorant I just think of them as uneducated sure and the difference there is there are the people who don't get trans people and who don't understand it but who are willing to learn awesome and then there's the people who are just set in their ways and don't want to learn and so through media um, I feel there's a big responsibility of um, showing trans people and trans characters mm -hmm. and so my job as a producer to really get to the heart of your question sure. is to um, to make that visibility and that diverse aspect of our culture more and I use air quotes again um, normalized <laughs> if that's a word right. um, you know for the people who may not have access to trans people sure so sure. they'll um, and I know I'm lo a little long-winded but um, oh no, if you're fine. It's you're fine. fine. This is the heart, uh, and I'm glad you asked that question because this is the heart of what I speak about, mm -hmm. is growing up trans in the 80s and 90s was very problematic because a lot of the trans characters that I was seeing, like Michael Caine and Dressed to Kill, yep. and um, Buffalo Bob and Silence Buffalo of the Bill, Lambs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo yeah. Bill. And now I've heard the argument of people saying, well, that wasn't a real transgender person because if you listen to Hannibal, he says, no. Here's the thing people need to know. When people come out and say they are transgender, you have to believe them, whether you accept it or not. Yeah. You have to, you know, say, okay, you know, like, where can I be an ally and how can I help you? Sure. And so for that argument of saying that Buffalo Bill in that film wasn't a true transgender person really annoys me because a first they're listening to Hannibal Lecter yeah. for information, yeah, a literal right. murderer a and cannibal, right? Yeah. <laughs> and b like not to sound like trans people are victims or villains, but mm -hmm. maybe that's why he had some problems or she or whatever they identified sure. as. Um, maybe that's why they have some problems. I, I'm sure Hannibal Lecter messed with their head, you know. But the thing about that is, um, even if what Hannibal says in that movie happens to be true, right. it kind of doesn't matter because in the wider culture, like not in the movie, but the way that the movie is seen, right. um, people instantly think of Buffalo Bill as, as trans. Right. Um, and that is, in fact, all of the terrible jokes that came out of the movie and everybody yeah. talking about lotion and baskets. And, right. Uh, 
I liked that song. I like Goodbye yeah. Horses. Goodbye yeah. Horses is a good song, uh, but, but yeah, that movie the, did kind of kill it for a lot the, of people. But the point is that, so even if maybe that was not the intention, that is certainly how that character was perceived as being. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, even if it was unintentional, yeah. it's still a problem. Right. Um, and it's still being, it, it still gets used to paint a certain picture of people in the wider culture. Yeah. So, um, I'm on a, a bit of a rant. Apologies. It's okay. I was, we were having that conversation actually about 20 just, minutes ago standing yeah. oh, right really? there. Yeah, oh, for real. With Sam. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but so. It's, so it's interesting <laughs> to really springboard off of that. Um, the other thing that people get confused are like drag kings, drag queens, and understanding the difference between trans people in movies and men that are dressing up like women like I'm thinking Tootsie yeah, um, sure. like Dustin Hoffman oh God. which is like it's it's such an ins- insane absurd concept it's a yeah. white man who can't get work as an actor so right. he oh, dresses right. up as a woman and for trans people that becomes problematic again because a lot of what middle America sees and people who aren't exposed to a lot of trans people, they're like, that right there is why we need a bathroom bill. That's right. why we need you to keep yeah. trans people out. Because mm-hmm. it's not a trans person, that's a man putting on a dress trying to deceive people and trying to gain access to something, a privilege or whatever, and then people are mistaking that because he's in a dress as a trans person, and that is not what a trans person does or identifies as. Right. And, and you know, frankly, I'm waiting for the day when I can stop referring to trans people as trans people and just as people. Right, yeah. So I, uh, it, the whole thing with bathroom bills just absolutely pisses yeah. me off because you just want to pee. Yeah. Right. You just want to pee. Well, and the other thing is... They make the bathroom bills worded as any man can put on a dress and go in there. I mean, the subtext is we're trying to keep trans people out. Because Uh right now, any man could put on a dress and go in there, and they're called criminals. Right. Like, whether you have a sign that says no transgender people or not, the criminal is still going to go in there and do whatever. So... They're saying no trans people without saying no trans people. Right. It's gross. Yeah. I've always wondered what they think straight men are going to be doing in a bathroom. Like, yay, I have made it to the women's room. Now I can listen to women pee. You know what? I'm sure there's someone who gets off on that. Right. Yeah, but you can just access that on the internet without... (laughs) Seriously. Or go to Russia. With with people who I assume are consenting. (laughs) Right. You know... It just it, uh, it doesn't even really happen. That's I think that's exactly. the thing. It doesn't happen. Like guys right. are not dressing up as women to sneak into the bathroom to assault women. Right. And Men the, can assault women on the street and get too. away with it. They yeah. don't need to go to the bathroom. Right. right. And and um. frankly, you know, when you read the research about child molesters, they don't care the gender of the kid. They can get a kid in the men's room just as well. Right. So, again, bathroom bills are the fucking worst. And, you know, going back to the child molesters, like 95% of them are people that the child knows. Yep. And and I roll my eyes here for the um, (laughs) radio audience, not at that statement, but just at the 
absurdity of those bills and how yeah. they treat trans people and, and the the true meaning behind that. Yeah, it's dehumanizing and it's yeah. horrible. So and what it does is it yeah it, it kind of dresses up the language of well essentially it is hatred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, dressed up in drag of respectability uh, mm-hmm. because it's and it's always it has always been thus you know uh, growing up. I mean, cis but gay. In the right. 80s. Yeah. Um, it was always, oh, the children, the children, the children. We're yeah. coming to molest your boys. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we're coming to molest your little girls. Don't ask me what a gay man is going to do with a little girl <laughs> right. except give her fashion tips. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, honey, those shoes don't go with that skirt. <laughs> Use a slip gloss. <laughs> yeah. Yay, right. stereotypes. I'm this many years old. <laughs> right. Dora is so last year. Honey. <laughs> yeah. I can't wear Dora the Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's all about, um, oh, I was going to make a joke, and the, <laughs> the girl from Frozen, or the the princess. Elsa. Elsa. Uh, yeah, it's all about Elsa. There we go. Always yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, sorry. Oh, my I, God, I forgot <laughs> that there's, like, this outrage of parents who, because somebody online suggested that Elsa was gay. Oh, yeah, And then yeah, everyone is that. losing their fucking minds. Yeah. She, she's a collection of pixels, is what she is, yeah. and yeah. frankly... She doesn't have any sexuality, but if she was written that way, yeah. who fucking cares? They well, didn't say anything about it in the movie. It would be a little disconcerting to have her sexuality explicitly addressed in a children's movie for Disney. Yeah. It, I, I mean, why? The straight are, ones are? Exactly. True. Oh, there is fun. that. Oh, son, like, shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, no, that's, uh, but you're right. Representation matters. So we should have movies where the princess gets the girl. Yeah. You know, where the prince wants to be a princess. You know, things like that and exposure to children so that we can normalize this. Right. And it's not a matter of sex, it's a matter of being who you are right. and being happy with yourself. And I don't I don't know how people don't get that. Yeah. Except well, for that whole it's a sin. Yeah. So and the third part of what I talk about when I when I speak in panels and conventions and stuff is the use of drag to get a laugh out of oh, people. Oh, I mean, I do drag to get a laugh out of people because I don't shave. But yeah. you know, you're absolutely right. But what I mean, um, and I'm assuming you're a drag entertainer? But occasionally throughout the year, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm talking about, again, movies like um, Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, oh my God, there's a movie. Jack Lemon. um... So you're talking about something like it hot? Yes. I mean, as far back as that. Yeah. That. Um, Bosom Buddies. Yeah. Uh, the one that I'm thinking of um, from the poster alone, it's got Corey Hain in it. Like, just one of the girls, I think it's called. Yeah. Oh. That's the one. Yeah. The, yeah. And the cover art is him getting pulled out of the girls' locker room with the thumbs up wearing a cheerleading outfit. Yeah. And oh again, God. this is what wrong because again people see that as they're trans people and know it's someone trying to get a cheap laugh right exactly. you know a cheap laugh or actually commit sexual assault right and the last thing and then I'll let you all talk <laughs> uh, they hear us talk all the they time do. Oh, well. we're here for you right now Stacey <laughs> well thank you um, the last thing and I think it's really important is um, and we talked about this in the panel, yeah. is getting trans actors to play in trans roles. Yeah. Um, while previously, like Hilary Swank, I mean, fantastic job, great mm-hmm. trans story, 
it helped move trans people more into the media. Yeah. Um, but we're past that. Yeah. People know. Yeah. Um, and so where things get wrong with hiring cisgender actors to play in specific trans character roles, uh-huh. and I'm thinking Jared Leto um, for oh. Buyers uh, Dallas, Dallas, Buyer, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. We, we have plenty of problems with Jared Leto. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> Bob doesn't like what he did to the Joker. I don't. Oh, I, uh, yeah, but oh. I don't know how much control he had over that. I think he had plenty of control really? over that. I think he was like, no, make him completely gangster and cover him in tattoos, and I'm like, you bitch! Anyway. Bob has feelings about comic books. I have a lot of feelings about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but, what but, do you think of the movie as a whole? Uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, I'm thinking Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad yeah. As a whole, <laughs> barring the Jared Leto thing, <clears throat> it needed some... I'm going to hit my microphone again. Sorry. Uh, needed some work, but... As a comic book movie, it was entertaining, and that's what I look for. Oh, okay. So, I wasn't looking for it to be Oscar-worthy. Right. I wanted to watch Harley Quinn blow shit up. Yeah. So, that made me happy. And she was really the best part of that movie. Oh, yeah, by far. By far. I mean, I don't, I'm not really a big Will, big Will Smith fan. Yeah. So, he was okay. Everyone else was okay. But yeah. she stole that show. And yeah. And she was amazing. Yeah. I, yeah, I just kind of felt like everybody else was there just... To be there and not yeah. really added much to the story. It was a pool movie for them. We call, yeah. oh okay. So again, <laughs> for those of you who haven't been listening for a long time, uh, the pool movies uh, are the are the movies that uh, Bobcat Goldthwait did a comedy routine a long time ago in the eighties, as a matter of fact, where he was talking about his kids complaining about blah blah blah, and he's like, you know what? That horse movie paid for that pool you're in. <laughs> so. That's our pool movie thing. Oh. So, like, Michael Caine has this, you know, gigantic pool from Jaws 4 right. sort of thing. I, yeah. The so, exact yeah. quote, if I remember correctly, is, I have not seen Jaws 4, but I have seen the house that my fee for Jaws 4 paid for. Yeah. That's marvelous. Yeah, that is so, so. And the lovely Caribbean vacation yeah. that he got out yeah, of it. No, people got to work. I think that is one of the weird things about hiring, I mean, getting into the work thing. But hiring hiring cisgender actors to play trans roles, right? Uh, in the same way that they were hiring like straight actors to play gay roles all the time. Yeah, yeah. The thing of that is, there are trans actors out there. Right. There are gay actors out there who are perfectly happy, capable of stepping into those roles and delivering um, a performance that will that'll just slay. Right. Um, and there are far fewer roles that people are willing to hire them for. Right. Like, a non-gender conforming person is not going to be cast in the Catherine Hagel role in the next romantic comedy. Right. Because... Uh, that's okay, because neither is Catherine Hagel. I know. That's an old, that's an old <laughs> reference. My romantic comedy, like, I'm way out of date on that. But, like, but like, so I guess the idea is, like, these are roles where uh, marginalized people get a chance to shine. Right. And kind of taking that away and it's not that like the actors are bad people like I don't want to be mean to Tilda Swinton yeah. for playing Asian characters in yeah. films or whatnot uh, she or, uh, was fun in that movie or, or uh, 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 God who's Scarlett Johansson seems to get it a lot <laughs> like, that was actually specifically the name brought up in the panel yeah, yeah. by yeah. Stacy. Yeah. Yeah. not to be mean to them like I get it they're right. working yeah but like 
you know, there are Asian people who could have played those roles. Like, yeah. There are trans people who could play those roles. There's gay people who could yeah. play those yeah. roles. Well, my thought on that is, and this is what I said in the panel, yeah. um, I'm okay with a trans person, a straight person, a gay person playing any character as long as it's not specifically about a certain culture or community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said in the, in the panel, like if you're casting Star Wars and the script just calls for an actor, it doesn't say race or, you know, it, like the story is not specifically about a trans actor, um, then hire whoever you want. Hire a person of color, hire a trans person of color. Um, but if you are making a movie about a specific trans person, then get a trans person to play that part. Absolutely. Um, because they're going to bring a lot of experience that cisgender people aren't going to have. And I say the same thing for, if you're gonna make a movie like um, Philadelphia these days, mm-hmm. you know, get a gay person to play the role while I think Tom Hanks did a fine job and again brought the issue of AIDS and you know um, homosexuality into the spotlight. I also think, okay, we're past that. Let's, Move on. Yeah. Sure. And there is a sense of like, Philadelphia is a really good example. I get a little disgruntled about Philadelphia because, like, I mean, I'm I'm a gay man. I'm a pause man, um, and I'm kind of like, that should be our story, not Jonathan Demi's story, mm-hmm. not Tom Hanks's story. Right. Like, we can tell that story. Yeah. Um, and other other filmmakers told that story in the '80s when no one else would touch it. Right. But people don't remember don't remember those films. They remember right. Philadelphia. Right. And Philadelphia is the one that went to the Oscars. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, our story, and I'm saying our, speaking as, as a, a gay person, I'm not trying to speak, speak for you. Right. Um, our story gets kind of picked up and molded into entertainment and taken away from us, basically. Yeah. And, right. and it turns into a straight idea of what gay should be. Thank you. Almost. Right. So, yeah. um, and... and the only other thing is that, especially in the 80s, in the era of AIDS, uh, all the gay movies were tragedy porn. Right. I'm like, can we have a happy movie? I mean, Jeffrey was right. almost there, but even then, still, so much, you know, uh, So with, let me ask you, oh, I'm sorry, were you... Oh, no, 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 I'm good. Go ahead. Um, what movies for from the gay culture would you recommend? Like, Ooh, good question. Yeah. Shit. I do actually recommend Jeffrey. It's, it, I mean, it's early to mid-90s. Right. Uh, but it does hold up. Yeah. I mean, because it is funny. It is touching. And it's not completely tragedy porn. But it does touch on how people felt about AIDS at that time in, in our culture. It does do a very good so. job talking about HIV stigma. Yeah. And, and, and that is a, a central theme of the story is the main character getting over his getting over his uh, serophobia and, and mm-hmm. understanding what it, you know what is what he's actually getting into in this relationship with this other fellow he's doing and it's done with a lot of humor and it's done with Patrick Stewart yeah wow. yeah steals Jeffrey? the show yes yep. okay uh, it's a great film I'll have to yeah. check that out yeah. so let me let me share um, because and and this gets 
really weird for people. Not only am I a trans woman, I'm also a lesbian. Yeah. Um, and I'm married to a beautiful woman. Her name is April. I love you, baby. Our friend Brooke is also a trans lesbian. Oh, She's wonderful. okay. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a wonderful game. If you all play video games. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's called Gone Home. Oh yeah. my god, that game. I have not played it yet. Uh, is it, it was free on Xbox. I had never heard about it. And so it was a free game on Xbox. And it's just this lovely story of two teenage girls discovering their love for each other. That's and awesome. it's, like a, it's like a walking sim, so it's very uh -huh. slow. Yeah. But it's, it's one of the most beautiful stories, game, movie, or whatever, that I come across in, in media. Cool. And I, I play it over and over again just for the story. Great. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say, getting back to um, films, my favorite trans film, because I know we talked a lot about the negative ones, right. my favorite is a French film, and I'll never get the French name right, but the American title is My Life in Pink. Oh, and I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful film. It's a tragedy, but it has a happy ending without spoiling it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful coming-of-age film for a young trans La Vie en Rose. That's what I yes. was. I was about oh, to go Googling because yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what. Yeah. 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 So I would highly recommend going and checking that out. Oh, yeah. Cool. Cool. So, Stacy, it has been wonderful talking yeah. to you. We've had the best time. Oh, well, thank, thank you. Thank you very much for coming up and talking to us. And we wish you the best of luck with Haven's yeah. End. Well, thank you. And I, I hope to be back on here next year when I'm back in Columbus. Well, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for putting up with us for now, like, 35 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, well, uh, like, it, it was great. This has just been a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So watch uh, My Life in Pink play Gone Home and um, check out Haven's End. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I'll catch up with the, all of you. Awesome. We look forward to seeing you again. Yeah. Thank you again. Again, that was Stacy Palmer of Lobster Girl Productions. She is one of the producers on Haven's End, starring Catherine Tabor, Anthony Nguyen, and Hannah Fearman of VHS and Siren fame. Hannah, I like you too. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just apologize for that now, shall I? Sorry. Moving on, uh, for our final interview of this episode, Bob and RC sat down for a remarkably... Uh, loose <laughs> chat with Waylon Jordan of iHorror.com. Waylon authored a great piece called The Big P, The Lack of Full Frontal Male Nudity in Horror, which obviously is very much relevant to our interests because dicks. Isn't that we, enough? That's the cutoff. <laughs> we are talking with Waylon Jordan from iHorror. How are you? I'm great. I'm having so much fun tonight. How's Wait. everybody else? We are awesome. This is so new to all of us. We're making all the mistakes, and you get to help us. <laughs> oh, well, I'm all about mistakes. Yay! So let's do this thing. Is this your first time at this festival? This is my yes. first, uh, our first time at the festival, our first time podcasting from a festival. Oh, wow. So y'all are having all kinds of, you're all kinds of virgins tonight exactly. for the first time in however God, many years. Oh, God, it's been a so long. long. Fucking time. So long. Decades. 
decades. Oh, well, How old do you think I am, sweetheart? Singular oh, decade. <laughs> Singular decade. I never guess age about anybody. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm a baby, goddammit. You are. You How are a baby. I'm 30. You're 30? I'm 41. I would not have guessed that. I'm 45. Well, there we go. <laughs> You are obviously the oldest queen at the table, I so you get to am. ask questions. Right. <laughs> so, um, I, I know you're not here as a presenter. You're here no. uh, essentially as a blogger, kind of like we are. Yeah. So, um, we want to talk to you about the dick detector. The dick detector. We, yes. we have been, because Jason pointedly made a post about the fact that he was trying to get more dick. Well, festival. yes, he did, and I actually ended up writing an article after he said that. Yeah, uh, we were just talking told. about yeah. <laughs> the disparity between male and female nudity, the lack of the big P. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're talking about horror films. Sorry, I'm crunching ice into the microphone. I really should not do that. <laughs> uh, you, you would know. I know. Oh God. So we are. I, I know that we've missed quite a bit uh, because we we figured out today maybe we should do our jobs and actually talk to people. <laughs> you know, the first time I came to a film festival, I was kind of that way, too. The yeah. first couple of days, I was just like, I'm seeing so much awesome stuff. Right. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be working. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I am currently up to two myself. Up to two what? Up to two dicks. Oh. Up to two dicks on screen. So what did you see? A bitten. Okay. So, so cute. So it was so short. cute. That whole reverse werewolf thing right? works so well. I and I mean I'm not I'm not normally into the skinny boys, but he was cute. If and uh, the director for that, I got to talk to her at Women in Horror, and it was so much fun because she she had so much trouble casting that role. Really, trying to find an actor who was willing to just go balls out wow. for this role, and she ended up she started talking to dancers. Oh, and cool. she was like, they're totally okay with their bodies. They're like, yeah. it's right. what they do. Yeah. So it ended up working for them, and they cast a dancer to play that role, and that, it was really great. And Interesting. He, it was amazing watching that, because seriously, I really thought he was a dog. I mean, and I hang out with a lot of puppies. I'm like, girl. I know quite a few puppies, too. Girl, your puppy game is weak now. <laughs> Stop. Just get, put away he the mouth. He was so into it. He, he just really embraced just it. rolling around on the bed. Just, yeah. He just had so much fun in that he role. Did. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. So what's your other one? Uh, the you other one was um, actually in Field Guide to Horror. Oh, the, I didn't see that segment. one today. Yeah. Okay. I went into that one. And these guys are texting me, we have people that want to interview. I'm like, I will be there after this movie. I've been waiting for this for days. So, but that, so, talk so to So, I more. think I'm up to three for this festival. Really? Well, yeah. uh, because of... Um, because there was Bitten. Yeah. There was the bad man. That's the one. Yep. I didn't because get to see that there one. was the scene where he's actually injection. holding the penis and injecting it to make yeah. it hard. Ooh. That was a really tough film to watch. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, that's what that was. And then Offerings today, the short film. Uh, really? How did I miss this? Uh, it was beautiful. It's no, this... I saw it. I didn't. I didn't see you the didn't dick. You didn't see the dick? Oh my god! I forgot about it. I remember now. You lose your gay license. Like now. there should be some sort of penalty card for that <laughs> because well, like, it was there. Today. Like a subway card. That, like... Oh no! I can't <laughs> fuck a twink for a month. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like it was so there, and it was even upside down there. I, I don't mean, remember it being upside down. Around and, yeah, it was totally no, there. I thought, yeah, so it, yeah, it I guess I'm up to three there. this weekend. Oh, then cool. I'm at four. All right. Because there was there was the Batman. There was a um, the the mayor short. You know what? I, and actually, I saw the mayor on a screener a couple of weeks ago. So oh. I didn't see it here, but I have seen it. It still okay. counts. Uh, uh, the whole cutting it off and yeah. falling on the ground at the end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we count disembodied peen. We also I, count I demon asked, dick. You know. We hey. also count demon dick, which we is number We do count three, demon dick. Because uh, there was another short, which I don't remember the title of because it was in Spanish. Um, I will find it. It was very good. It was about a videographer. You are totally you, spacing right now. I am very, right I'm very tired. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us. I, I mean, I read the article of a while oh, you back. Did. But let, oh, let's, how awesome discuss, is that? I know, but let's let's actually talk about dick disparity. Dick disparity. Okay. Well, let's let's go into history. Cool. Let's go back a hundred and twenty years ago or so. Yeah. Uh. When the camera was first really invented, yep. and everybody says that Edison did it, but there was all that competition overseas. Right. And, yeah. But it was happening all around the same time. Yeah. It took seven years. Yeah. For a woman to be completely and totally, fully frontally nude. Of course. On camera. Yep. It was almost 20 years before the barest peak of a penis showed up in a film. Right. And that was in uh, Bertolini's uh, Inferno, the ad oh. adaptation oh. of the Inferno. Cool. And it's just there. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. snap in, snap out. We saw a little penis. Right. Hit we your pause button, frame events. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So going back even to the beginning, you know, recently, the last couple of months, I saw Hannah Gatsby's uh, Nanette on oh Netflix. God, I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen it. But I have not, but I want you to. Really it is life-changing. You should go into it prepared. Yeah, because it starts out as comedy, and then it rips your soul out. It is so and it great. it doesn't give it back. Like, Damn it's it. like, <laughs> it's like, enjoy these shreds flapping in the wind, like, fucker. Yeah. Like, have, your, like have your box of tissues there because you're going to need them. Right. Um, but one of the comparisons that she makes, she talks about art. Uh -huh. And she talks about the history of art has been men creating uh, flesh vases for their dick flowers. Yeah. And it's that same thing. It translated directly into film. You yeah. know, all the early filmmakers were men, and they were putting women up there completely naked from the very beginning. Yeah. But we don't want to show a man because, you know, people have issues. Right. So, yeah, it was it was that kind of thing. And um, I don't know, you know, it showed up very early on. Yeah. And then the Hayes Code came about. In the yeah, early, yeah. yeah, the early 20th century, and there were all of these codes as to what you could show and what you couldn't show. Yeah. And it was about that time that they started all of the queer coding. Yeah. And, you know, this character is gay, but we can't say it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing, which is where the whole sissy stereotype was born. Yeah. You know, you go back and you watch this whole, they were always really well-dressed. Yeah. And they yep. always had a little bit of a lisp. Uh-huh. And they were and always been, played for comedy. And they've been the same character for the last hundred years. I right. mean, you know, and that's all that people write. And they continue to write it, and it pisses me off so uh, much. 
Yeah. But yeah, so every once in a while, the penis shows up. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, it's comedy or it's shock value. Right. It's not sexualized, even though the penis is an actual sexual organ. Yep. But we're not going to sexualize it because it's a man. Uh-huh. And then you also have the problem that a lot of times when you see penis in films, it's a prosthetic. We're not even making the actors actually go full frontal. We're having them pretend that they're going full frontal. Whereas if it's a woman, no, we're sorry, you're going to have to take all your clothes off and be exposed. We can't give you a prosthetic badge. Yeah. Yeah. And and Marky Mark, I'm looking at you, bitch. Um, Do it. Tell him. (laughs) Talk directly to him. Right. Marky fucking. Yeah, like he listens. Like he listens. (laughs) <laughs> hey, what? you never know. He might hear it. I mean, he, he has that car dealership he here. He does own a car dealership here. Uh, <laughs> but why? Why did you have to bother? I mean, are you worried about your size? None of the rest of us are. We just want to see you. Right. I and mean, I those think, of us that want to see I, you. I think that's a huge part of it. A huge part of it. <laughs> anyway, I, I think that there's so much, what if I'm not enough? Yeah. And, and this is another thing that I've written about for other publications. It is absolutely considered verboten to talk about a woman's breast size, uh-huh. body shape, yep. anything like that. But every damn body on the planet can talk about a man's penis size as if he has control over the size of the penis that grew off of it. Exactly. As if it's not genetic, as if it's not something that you get what you get when you get it. Right. But it's perfectly okay for women, men, whoever, to make comments about penis size, but don't you dare turn around and make a comment about a woman's body. And that is one disparity that actually is against us, mm-hmm. and it's like the one. Like, right. like well, everything else works so much in the, on the other side. Yeah. There is a caveat to that with breasts, though. Because yes. y- you do... We, a lot of times we will see men in particular talking about a woman's breasts and whether or not they're real if well, they're and on the other and, and on the other thing how many films have you seen where somebody said well anything more than a handful is too much or something like that right. you know so it's still objectified and Which what is, the fuck are you supposed to do about that I know I mean I keep writing articles I keep talking to people but God, there's only so so much that one person can do, you yeah. know? Yeah, and, I mean, seriously, we will consistently talk about dick on this show. So <laughs> I, I love mean, it. Hopefully. And I love that you have a dick meter for this thing. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a noise that every time the counter goes up, like, Andy has a little noise that he plays every time. So, so wait, Is it kind of that little... We're up to, like, five now? No, it's a, it's a ding. Oh, a little ding. Okay. Five penises. Five penises? So far. There was one that was not human, but it was humanoid, so we're counting it. Yeah. One that oh, was it totally covered, counts. It, you know, as uh, long as by it's... by the way, the, the, the... As long as it's phallic, it's in. It was yeah. literally a penis <laughs> of Satan. Um, and also, the name of the short was not in Spanish. It was just two in the morning, and I was very tired. Oh, okay. It was Freelancer. Oh, Freelancer. I remembered r- the wrong short name. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Do what? Do your own thing, darling. Oh, a- Andy is taking a moment for himself. 
Everybody so. needs a moment for themselves. <laughs> I nearly needed a moment for myself after the bad man last night, but I couldn't decide if I felt bad about it or if Thank it was okay. You. <laughs> tell tell I, started, I title. started like, oh my god, it was Conflicted Emotions and Awkward Boners, the movie. That is a perfect title. <laughs> a perfect I was, I was alternate to title. To and I was like, film. no, I was so hard, but I felt so bad about it. Like, I was, I was just like, I don't know what to do. I have one word for you, Charlie. I, I just, I need me a Charlie, Charlie in my life. Charlie didn't do it for me. The fat puppy at the very end, oh, on the okay. other hand, 100% did it for me. And then he was on screen. And I need then a guy with a, I, I yeah. need a guy with a breath control mask. I mean, you know, I just. That was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, but we're, we're big boy lovers here, so it's all good. <laughs> okay, uh, are we done with Dick for now? No. Our no? game okay. in every we're never, never done, done with, with Dick. Yeah, that's the we're problem. Never done with Dick. So conversationally, I think. We conversationally, can. I think we may have driven it into the ground just a little. Maybe. I mean, if you're gonna get off on that, Goddamn that's totally ecosexuals. cool. Ecosexuals. <laughs> ecosexuals. Fuck. It's a thing. Don't Google it. Uh, I'm not Googling that. Uh, <laughs> Everyone should Google themselves without a lubricant at least once a month. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, all right. So, all of the people that were on the, the social awareness panel right. today, uh, everyone that I've spoken to, everyone that's come on with us today, I've asked them, how do you address the problematic tropes? How do you address... Um, the, the black person dies first. How do you address kill your gays? How do you address those things when you're dealing with film and script? I think that we recognize that those tropes are there. Uh-huh. I think that we recognize that they're there for a reason. But I think that we also recognize that we've grown past that. And we can write beyond that. Cool. And... Like I was saying, you know, today when they were asking me about Ruby Rose and everything, which yeah. I still don't know what not lesbian enough means. Seriously. I've heard it, but I also I've, have no I, fucking idea what that could possibly mean. Does, like, I still think there must be some kind of litmus paper that, you know, they just test them or something. The, I, I don't understand do you, like, what that swipe means. swipe on our tongue to see if there's right, bad to see, there? it, Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. But how do we address it? We point it out when we see the problem. Yeah. We don't let it go when we see the problem. Mm -hmm. We don't say, oh, that's just the way they write yeah. when we see the problem. And then those of us who are writers, those of us who are creatives, we get involved and we actually reach out to our screenwriter friends when they're writing a script and saying, I know you're including a gay character in this. Yeah. Maybe we should chat. Yeah. Yeah. You know... A couple of weeks ago at Women in Horror, uh, one of the actors that was on a similar panel with us, um, he had been called in for a role that was a gay character. Mm -hmm. And he went in and he didn't clean it up. He yeah. didn't do any of that. He read it. He gave a good performance. Mm -hmm. But he didn't do what was basically written in all over the character. And yeah. they were like... They literally stopped him during the audition. We're like, we need you to be more over the top. And he's like, but I don't have to be. I can play this character without doing what you're asking me to yeah. do. And it'll okay. still be convincing. Yeah. So why should I play it that way? Sure. 
And they were like, no, we really needed you to play that way. So he turned around and he walked out of the audition. Now, bully for him for doing that. But there are 12 actors out there who are going to go in for the same audition and queen it up, spit rainbows, and get the part. And give us Hollywood for mannequins. Exactly. And so I think we need to call those productions out. I think we need to... You know, I don't have a problem with a straight actor playing a gay role. Yeah. I have a problem with the gay roles that are being written. I have a problem with the gay characters that are being written. Yeah. If we can just get to the point where we stop giving Oscars to every straight man who plays a gay character... Yeah. I'd be totally happy. If we could get to the point where when a straight man plays gay, the first question in every interview is not, God, this must have been so difficult for you. To, to play something so far from who you are. Right. If we can get to that point, then I think the real progress is being made. Right, because I understand when we're talking about an actor, you are playing someone other than yourself to begin with. Right. That's what your job is. We don't need to take and recognize, oh my God, you played gay, that's so cool. You know? Or you play trans, and isn't that wonderful? Right. Oh, uh, you and we were talking with Stacy. Oh early. God, I love Stacy so much. She's amazing. We we chatted with her for fucking ever. Yeah, it was her. a long time, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and I have learned so much from Stacy in the last year. Yeah. Just sitting and talking, you know, and having real conversations. Sure. And I think that's what we all need to do: is reach out to those people who are different from us. You know, the trans community has been a part of LGBTQ for a long time. Yep. But we don't even begin to understand one another. We don't. And because I, we don't ever reach out to one another. Yeah. We put them all under the umbrella, and then we walked away, and we never thought that we had to actually have a conversation with one another. Exactly. And I think that we have to come together that way. I think we have to... Start looking at the larger picture for all of this. Instead of our own little petty things, we have got to get together, every damn one of us. Yep. And say, this matters. And it it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your sexuality. Right. We have got to start making decisions and electing people who are actually working to try to save us all. Yeah. Rather than flush us down the toilet. Right, and frankly, and I've said And that's not party line, that's nothing else. That is looking at what these people vote for, what these people say, what they pay attention to. We have got to be tuned into that. Otherwise, we're condemning ourselves. Absolutely. Hello, I You know what, we can all sit here for probably hours. Yeah. Talking into microphones. <laughs> right? <laughs> and as much as I love this, my drink is empty. That's, so I, get I really it. need to go get something. Well, we will let you go enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for sitting Thank down with us. Thank you guys for asking me to sit down. And I love you both. You're just so cute. Thank you for sitting down with us. Absolutely. Does anybody need another drink? Because I'm going to the bar. I'm actually really good. And I'm probably... Yeah, I'm scared like, if I, I drink, I will just pass out. Gallon bladder right now. Pass out. I'm very tired. He is a baby. I, isn't he? I am He's going to hand him enough. a five-hour energy right now. <laughs> Um, All right. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. I had so much fun. 
That was Bob and R.C. with Waylon Jordan discussing the big P, the lack of full frontal male nudity, and horror, which can be found on iHorror.com. Go forth and read. It's good. So, questions, comments, want to lay eggs in our brain, want us to come to your film festival? Email bob at candycoatedrazor.com. Visit us on the web at candycoatedrazor.com. Find us on Facebook by searching Candy Coated Razor Blades. Oh, get this. I am now in the Discord channel, along with RC. It finally fucking happened. Come join us there. Bring your questions, suggestions, aggressions, erections. That got weird. And we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash candycoatedrazor. If you want to chuck us a buck or two and support, we are eternally grateful. And if not, that's okay. Uh, either way, thank you for listening. We love you unconditionally. And that about does it for this week, kids. Uh, we'll see you next time. Ready, steady, bye! Bye!